The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Emotion is that um, the system here knows how to dissipate it uh, eventually if we can get out of the way. And I think it's very respectful of the emotional life to get out of the way and just let it do its thing rather than being in there picking the scab or or um, getting you know getting on for a ride or all the different things that we do so thank you I was just going to tell you that I utilized your three-breath journey uh-huh. over last week with my daughter. So she's three. <laughs> I have a three- and a five-year-old, and yeah. my three-year-old gets frustrated very easily. Mm-hmm. And I had her kind of just take three breaths, and I asked her how she felt afterwards, and she said she felt happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with you. Great. So passing it on to the new generation. Any questions about the instructions on emotions we did last week or anything? So what I've noticed is the energy is different uh, meditating amongst people yes, as opposed to when I'm just by myself. Right. And I feel I like this better. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh-huh, great. Um, if you uh, keep doing it and you know, develop it, you'll start uh, having the ability to get f- focused or centered well enough on your own that it'll be very satisfying as well. But until that c- time comes, many people find it really helps to sit with the group. And, um, and even if a person's really experienced, well experienced in practice and practice for a long time and comfortable practicing alone, it's still good to once in a while to go sit in the group because there's something about we learn or something kind of osmosis, some kind of uh, balancing that comes into balance when we don't, when we do, we're not always doing it alone. We're, we're deeply social, and um, and uh, we learn who we are in a sense. Partly, we learn who we are by closing our eyes and being quiet, but we also learn who we are in different ways by being in with other people, and to bring those two together and meditate with a group of people can be quite profound so welcome come here as much as you want Um, when you mention um, emotions dissipating within 90 seconds sometimes that can happen but there still can be some kind of residual something back there nagging um I guess over time you can work that out, or uh-huh. that's my question. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think it's 90 second things, you have to be very careful with this idea. I feel a little uncomfortable with it because it's the, the, the subconscious or the unconscious, what goes on kind of under the hood, is so complex. So, for example, um, a strong emotions can have a big impact physically on the body. And, you know, the muscles tense, tense, tense up and sometimes they're chronically t- held tight or something. And you can't expect those to suddenly relax in 90 seconds. But there's a feedback loop between the body and the emotions. And so, in a, in a sense, how they're being fed 
or being you know reasserted is through the body as opposed to through you know the mind doing it and so the body also needs to kind of uh, relax unwind heal whatever it needs to do and that can take long much longer than than uh, you know just a, a simple uncomplicated emotion which just you know comes for 90 seconds and goes so that's the more the complicated conditioning you know is there and so this idea of if something's nagging that's a that's a very interesting ter- idea this thing nagging uh, is that maybe the surface or the, the large emotions can settle, but there's some mystery, there's something that's not understood or some problem that still exists that we're still living with. And the system, the mind's not going to be satisfied until that problem is somehow addressed or solved. But we don't, sometimes we don't even know what the problem is. It's like some, there's something off here. And so that's being fed because the information of something's off, that continues. And that continues, this constant message we're getting and that constant message comes like, you know, it kind of feels like nagging. And that's appropriate if, uh, you know, if there is something that's off in the world that we should, it's appropriate to hang out with it. Does it make sense that, does it respond to what you're saying? Yes, thank yeah. you. I had a, a pretty powerful experience with the uh, emotion anger, which is, um, and it didn't have to do with the meditation, but it has to do with exactly what we're talking about. Where I was, got in an argument with my son and was really angry and had to leave. I was on my way to a yoga class and driving, and I could feel my body, you know, anger goes everywhere. And um, when we got to the class, she wanted us to, which I think was very uh, interesting coincidence that she said she wanted us to start by feeling our body and to see how we felt and where we were feeling it in our body and I thought whoa well I don't want to deal with this I felt like leaving like who wants to deal with anger right Um, so I did and we sat and I felt it in my stomach and it felt like someone had punched me in the stomach that's what I felt like so I kind of hung on to that through the whole class because I wanted to hang on to my anger right (laughs) But by the end of the class, it was dissipating. And when we did it again, she said, um, I want all of you to think about how you're feeling, where you feel it in your body. And it had gone. And what I felt instead was really sad. Mm-hmm. And I realized probably what was un- underneath all that anger was sad. He had hurt my feelings and said mm-hmm. some really cruel things. And so that's a really strong message for me that Sometimes when I'm angry, it's not that I'm angry, I'm, I'm hurt, and yeah. that I was really, really sad. But it was a very powerful message, and it had to do with what we talked about in Beautiful. here. And, and it all had to do with the body and where I was feeling it and how it dissipated after an hour and a half. Yeah, that, that was wonderful that you had that experience. And the, the thing about uh, anger, I think it's often useful, as you described, kind of, not this way, but how I'm, not how I'm going to say it, but is uh, that anger is a messenger. And uh, and what's the message of anger? And in, in terms of emotions, it's usually there's some deeper underlying emotion that's really the main point, the main issue. And anger is not the anger is not really the issue. The issue is the hurt or the fear, more often. And so then, if if, if you can recognize the hurt or the fear under the anger, then it's a whole different game you know, in terms of yourself, but also in terms of the relationships you're in. 
Because if you tell someone, you know, I'm angry with you, it's a little hard for some people to then have a conversation with you that's going to be productive. But if you say, you know, when you said that, I felt really hurt or I feel really afraid, it's much more likely that people will kind of cool it, cool down and say, oh, you know, they're not being attacked when you say they're angry. Anyway, so it's a wonderful lesson. Okay. So, um, last uh, week I taught you the the 22nd exercise. Today I'm going to teach you what's called the one-second flashlight. So, um, the... um, when we think, uh, we think in many topics. So we could be, um, we, just re- uh, we could be thinking about the future, planning. We could be re- remembering. So these kind of words, single words that kind of characterize different kinds of thinking. You know, planning, remembering, uh, talking. Some, talk, some, some thoughts are just having conversations. Some people uh, see images when they're thinking, they, th- they see more, they more visually, they think visually rather than with words. So they might be seeing what's happening, seeing. Some people, it's, uh, it's um, uh, fantasizing that's going on. Some people, it's thoughts about wanting. Some people, some thoughts about not wanting. There's, you know, there's like, often like a single word that can recognize what's going on. So um, just as you are, don't do anything else but just close your eyes. And as you're sitting here, notice what you're thinking. And if you're not thinking, just wait until you do. And then in a kind of very clear, kind of distinct way, silent in your mind, name what kind of thought it is with one word. And they could just say thinking. That's all it needs to be, just thinking. So staying with your eyes closed, the one second flashlight is to flash the light of recognition on the fact that you're thinking. But to do it really like you have a flashlight. Oh, oh, that's thinking. That's remembering. That's all that is, is planning, planning. So I want you to do it a couple of more times as we go the next kind of minute or so. Recognize what you're thinking and then use that one second flashlight to clearly recognize that's what you're doing. You don't have to stop what you're doing, just use the flashlight. So you can open your eyes again. So uh, what happened to you when you used that one second flashlight? Were you clearly and distinctly just named and and (coughs) recognized with a name the fact that you were thinking? Some of you like to, what shifted for you, if anything? 
and it kept flashing on it for one second at a time. It slowly dissipated. The thinking dissipated. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, like, it got less and less and less powerful. You, you, if, I, if, I, if I'm hearing you right, you, feel, you sound like you're slightly surprised. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would think it would get worse. <laughs> and you sound, you sound like you were delightfully surprised. Oh, oh very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. Yeah. Oh, hi. Thank you. When I close my eyes and think, and I feel very comfortable here and very peaceful, and this is my time out, yeah. I think happy things. That's fine. So, so uh, are you supposed to think happy things or oh. things that bother you? Or what are you supposed to do? Oh, in, in this exercise, you were allowed to think anything. You, your mind was allowed to think anything it does. There was no choice. No. Okay, so I'm content. I have happy stuff. So then you would notice happy thoughts. You know, happy, happy. That's all. Just very clearly. Happy. Yeah. So that's all you do is. Or loving. I have loving. So loving. Okay. So, so that would be the 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 flashlight. The one second flashlight would be a clear. But the idea of the the flashlight. The flashlight is distinct and separate from what it shines its light on. It's kind of like kind of like being an observer. You step back. Oh, that's what's going on. Look, it's a bell. A bell. You know, it's like oh. I've been here all these years and I didn't notice there was a bell in front of me. It's a bell. <laughs> I've been here living all these years. I didn't know it was, I was thinking so clear. Oh, it's a thought. That's what it is. Mm. So it's like, wow. It's like you're seeing it like an observer. That's what the flashlight is. And that's what the, using that note, a single note can do. So anybody else notice any shift that happened if you were able to do that? Some of you didn't have any thoughts. I too, like the other lady over there, as soon as I was able to get a name for it, I put a name to it and the thought was gone. It was gone. Okay, great. So uh, so emotions last for 90 seconds. Thoughts with enough, if enough, you know, if we're not in the thoughts, if we step back far enough, they last about two seconds. You know, if we're really kind of not involved, because thoughts are much more ephemeral than emotions, and so it's really there. There's another situation where we're spinning it and keeping it going. And part of the idea of stepping back, in a sense, in the mind, observing it, is not to be involved in it, but to see it clearly. And this not being involved but seeing clearly describes what we're doing with mindfulness. And so, uh, it's not saying that there's anything wrong with it. You're thinking. It's just like you're, you're reclaiming yourself. So you're not swept away in the thoughts or caught in the thoughts or preoccupied in the thoughts. So, oh, that's what it is. So maybe one more comment if anyone has. Yes. Um, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, I kept on waiting and there was no thought. <laughs> Generally, I see that in my thoughts are shy, so if the... I know there's a spotlight, eh, they won't come. So yes, I, yeah. I, I didn't have anything. Yeah, that's not so uncommon. The, uh, when, um, um, uh, sometimes thoughts are just shy and they get quiet that way, reserve them. But there's something about the power observation of looking that the space that's usually filled with thinking is filled with observation. Or the, or the fuel that keeps things going inside goes towards a silent observation more than it goes into the thinking. 
And sometimes the mind gets very quiet. And why this is a very interesting lesson is that um, uh, people in meditation will spend a lot of time fighting their thoughts, trying not to think, I'm, I'm bad, I'm not a good meditator, I'm not supposed to think. And paradoxically, that attitude is, is really, it's like giving your thoughts chocolate ice cream or something. <laughs> it's like they're getting f- nourished and fed, you know, or getting a protein bar or something, or, you know, protein drink. Like, oh, you know, you know I, they love it when we're bothered by them because it's just like they were really feeding them. We're, you know, so it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're really troubled by having thoughts and don't want to think when you meditate, well, then you'll keep thinking. So the tr- art of it is not be bothered by your thoughts. And if you're not bothered by them, but you really just see them in a very relaxed way, um, then you, sometimes the thinking mind can get very quiet. But if you're always thinking you're trying to avoid them and come back, and um, you know, it just sometimes it just, you're making it actually harder for yourself than it needs to be. So we do let go of thoughts, and we do come back. But the attitude in which we do it is very important. Because we don't want to f- give chocolate ice cream to our thinking. Um, more like you want to give them a vacation. <clears throat> okay, great. So, uh, one of the really wonderful things, uh, at least I think, many people think about mindfulness, that uh, it's possible to practice it in all, all years of our life. It's also possible to practice it in such a way that uh, there's no thing that can happen to us in the moment that's considered to be inappropriate for our attention. Whatever happening can be just another thing to be mindful of. And so we say there are no distractions in this practice. When you really understand the practice, there are no distractions, just something else to notice, to bring that meditative awareness to it. And, um, and, in, and this idea that nothing needs to be outside, nothing needs to be pushed away and say, this is unacceptable, it shouldn't be there, uh, opens up to a very, you know, it's not easy to understand exactly what this means, but as it becomes clearer and clearer, the sense of awareness and presence that's here and how everything's included, that there's no outside. Everything is part of the whole practice, the whole mind, awareness. And in Buddhism, uh, that's the, probably the closest thing that Buddhism has to something that's sacred, is the awareness that includes everything. And, uh, but as soon as you say, not that, I shouldn't be having that experience. Then, it's, then we're cutting reality, and we're one thing, and, and having something on the on the side of it that shouldn't be there. That's wrong. Or then it's things. Then it's no longer whole. So the idea of mindfulness is to learn how to bring this attention to everything. Some people protest because they think that means that everything has to be condoned. But actually, mindfulness is not condoning anything. It's just seeing what it is. And the things which are unhealthy will generally stop if we see them clearly. So, um, um, so thinking is just as much part of the meditation as anything else. Just that for many people, if we teach them mindfulness of thinking right away, it helps them to be more, instead of mindful, they become thoughtful. And they start thinking a lot more. So I, we wait here the fourth week with the idea that You've been able to hold off your thoughts happily until now. <laughs> not really. But, uh, but not to make it too complicated. 
And, uh, and the meditation is always good to keep meditation simple. And one of the simplest ways, just come back to your breathing, just be with your breathing. But from time to time, it's very helpful to know that you can include thinking as part of the meditation. And um, in order to kind of introduce the, the next meditation, which I'll do some guided meditation around thinking, I want to tell a kind of a, a teaching parable or analogy. Uh, say that you go for a nice long walk in the California oak woodlands and it's a nice day and maybe it's spring and it's green grass, meadow grass and wonderful oak trees and it's a nice comfortable hike. It's very nice but you're a little bit tired by lunchtime. So you come down and you go to the edge of a river and you lean up against an oak tree. You have your lunch and but not too much. And you're so contented and happy. It's a good day off, nothing needs to happen, and no one's bothering you, you feel safe. It's just like so, like in this beautiful, spacious view across the river, and it's just like, oh, and you're sitting there, and this is, this is kind of paradise. And, oh, nothing, no one to be, no one, nothing to do, nothing to get, nothing to prove, nothing to defend, just here, just here, so nice. Ah. Then you notice that coming down the river comes this big New Orleans showboat with flashing lights, bands playing, dance halls, casinos, the best movies, and the food, and the chocolate ice cream is fantastic. (laughs) And the next thing you know, you're on the showboat. But it took you about three weeks to realize you were in the showboat, that you had gotten on. So what am I doing here? I was so content and happy on that riverbank against the oak tree. How did I get here? So you're finally able to get off the boat. It takes you a while to get back upstream again to where you were. And you're finally there again. Ah, this is heaven. So it's all good until coming down the river is a fully armed warboat, Navy fighter. And maybe it's, a, you know, a, with all its guns blasting and they're fighting the great war and this is a serious thing and justice has to be made. And, and next thing you know, you're on the boat fighting the good cause. It, now it takes you a few months to get realize even that you're on it because it's so important. But finally, when you wake up and tell, what am I doing here? It takes you even longer to walk all the way back up to your oak tree. Ah, nothing to do, no one to be. Ah, this is good. I don't have to do anything. I'm breathing. Coming down the river is this derelict, old, decrepit, almost sunken raft. So you feel so sorry for it. Oh, but the next thing you know, you're on that poor raft and it's, oh, it's so hard and life is so difficult and poor me and, oh, you know, and, oh, we're, we're probably going to sink any day now. No. That takes a few years to get off. <laughs> to even recognize you're on it. And then finally, you make your way back up the river. It takes a few years to hike up because it was, you know, and then you sit there against the oak tree and, um, 
And next now comes down a boat. And what does this one have on it? It has um, uh, all the, well, say maybe all the politicians saying all the important things politicians want us to know. And you see the boat going down. It's, oh, it's a boat of politicians. And they're being very eloquent. Hmm. Bye-bye. <laughs> and you just let it float down. You don't get on that boat. You've learned your lesson. You don't have to get on every boat. So this is how it is with thoughts. You'll have a lot of thought boats that come through. And some of them are the big showboats of fantasies and all kinds of things. Some of them are the great wars that we're fighting that seem so important. Some of them are, you know, all the kind of self-negating, self-negative, self-critical, poor me kind of things. There's a whole slew. There's a whole armada of boats upriver just waiting to come down. You name them, they have it up there. And they just release them, whoever they is, on a regular basis. And uh, one after the other. And uh, sooner or later, if, it's not, if not everyone, sooner or later they'll have the, you know, they'll figure out the best one for you. And you'll get on. And you'll leave that place, uh, you know, the nice contented place. You don't have to get on these boats. That's the message of mindfulness practice, certainly in meditation. Outside, you might have to get on, take care of things. But if you learn how not to get on a boat, to recognize and not get on, that gives you a tremendous power in your life to choose what you think about and what you ruminate about. One of the leading causes of stress is rumination. One of the leading causes of uh, depression is rumination. One of the leading causes of anxiety is rumination of some getting on a boat. And, uh, and so to step back and use the one-second flashlight over and over again to really see what's going on. And with time, it's not, you can't just do this overnight, but over time to learn the difference between getting on the thought and kind of leaning back against the oak tree and just watching it go by. You can wave at it as it goes by. And, um, and one of the ways that we just recognize it as, go, as it goes by, that, so we stay, you know, secure on the dry riverbank and the solid ground, is we name it. If it uh, you know, and the name, you don't, we don't name it George or something, but I mean, um, it's called a mental note uh, or a label. Uh, uh, it's not supposed to be, you don't, you don't need to spend any time thinking what the right label is. It's what's most obvious. And if it's, um, if it's not obvious, just use the word lab, uh, the label thinking. But if it's obvious it's remembering or planning or arguing or something, you can use that, you know, a more specific label. And if you're more uh, into the, uh, seeing things visually, then uh, you can, um, that's the way you think, it's just do seeing, seeing. Or if you, you know, really you know, want to be a little bit, you can do, you can always be a little bit creative. You can say technicolor, <laughs> if that's how it is or something. And um, so that's the simplest way of doing mindfulness of thinking. <clears throat> Not to make it a problem that you're thinking, but to kind of lean back against the tree, in, in, in metaphorically, and let, let the, just let it notice it's there 
and just let it go downstream. Let it keep going, let it go through. And uh, it helps if you just name it as it goes through. So um, that's, so I'll, I'll say more about emotions later, but I want to, when I first lay out the most simple possible way that we do it. If we're sitting and meditating on breathing, for example, and there's thoughts in the background, and we're not, they're not grabbing us, we're not getting lost in them, you don't have to do anything, you just leave them alone. But it, this uh, mindfulness of thinking primarily comes into play when we get pulled into them too much. We might let go, but they come right back. Let go and we pick them up right, ag- again, right away again. Or we can't even let go of them. That's when we want to turn and turn that flashlight on the, on the thinking. Like look them right in the eye. I see you. You know, I see you thinking. So that, that kind of way of clarity. Stepping away from it. Observing. Say, oh, I know what you are. You're a thought as opposed to, we get so entangled in it. And when we're, when we're merged with the thinking, then um, it's almost, or it feels like the thinking is me. And when thinking is me and who I am, then it's very hard to disentangle us, ourselves from it. And so to, to step back and not have me be in the thinking, or not me, me being the thoughts. And we have that in you know, Europe, right? Where uh, Descartes was supposed to have said, I think, therefore I am, right? So we're, some people are very closely identified with their thoughts. And uh, in Buddhism we say our thoughts are fine, but there's no need to be identified with them. So we step back and in just one, sometimes just in one second, the one second flashlight sometimes is enough. Just, oh, that's what it is. And then there's a little, ex- <laughs> I'd like to say, a teeny explosion of freedom with that flashlight, with that word. Oh, oh, like that. Does that make some sense? Okay, so uh, we're gonna do a short meditation and I'll get you started with it. And then um, as the meditation goes along uh, and it seems like it's appropriate or seems like you know you can exercise, do the little exercise, practice it, uh, use that little one second flashlight uh, on thinking, um, and probably then do it again, <laughs> and again. And, see, and then if it's easy to go back to your breathing, then go back, yes? So if you have a happy thought and you wanna hang on to it, I'm not supposed to, I'm just supposed to put a flashlight on it and say that's thought and I'm away from it? Well, if, you, if what you want to do is mindfulness meditation, yes, you would just say, oh, happy thought, happy. And you would also step back and lean against the, the oak tree because uh, what we're trying to do is to learn how to be free of any thought. Happy thoughts, you can, people can get caught in the web of happy, happy thoughts. Some people, I mean, those are like spider, tra- spider webs, you're so sticky. And some people really get caught in them. You know, it's a, a showboat or the happy thoughts. And it isn't like, it's not like it's wrong to have them. What we're trying to do is to exercise the muscle of freedom so we have more choice. And, uh, and also so the mind can have access to deeper places of peace than it can have if you're thinking. Uh, see, thinking, and no matter how wonderful thinking is, and it can, it's a wonderful thing, creative and happy sometimes, um, it is a, a more energetically active part of the mind that uh, keeps us a little bit removed from a deeper intimacy to ourselves. And so the opportunity in mindfulness is to 
And this is why one, one reason we step back from it and observe it rather than be the thoughts or involved in it or hold on to it is so that with time we can drop into some deeper place inside where there's actually a lot more kind of a wealth of goodness or a whole different way of being in the world that is uh, sometimes uh, inconceivable to the people who are always conceiving. <laughs> so, uh, so let's do a little a short meditation. So you can take a meditation posture. Sitting a little straighter than you normally would. And gently closing your eyes. And taking a few long, slow, deep breaths. Breathing in deeply to connect to yourself from the inside out. And breathing out kind of deeply to relax. And then letting your breathing return to normal. Search around your body. And if you find now any places that's easy to relax in your body, relax them or soften them. You might be able to soften around your face. You might be able to soften your shoulders. Sometimes, even without softening the shoulders, kind of surrendering the shoulders to gravity can be nice. And it can be nice to relax the belly, soften the belly. And then settle your attention on the body's experience of breathing. Tuning into the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. Keeping it simple, attend to your breathing. Maybe a caring attention, caring for the experience of breathing. Letting your body breathe itself. But when you find yourself thinking, use that flashlight 
recognize something about the nature of your thinking that's obvious without having to think about what it is. Maybe you use the flashlight of the word thinking, remembering, planning, fantasy. trying to understand. Searching. And then return to your breathing. And this rhythm of breathing and then the flashlight a one-second flashlight on, on thinking. Notice that you're thinking. And if you can easily recognize what it is, use the one second flashlight. So I said this would be short, so we can end the sitting. So I'm going to go, uh, in a few minutes I'm going to go on with this and kind of build on this to a little bit more aspects of mindfulness of thinking.
But I wanted to start with something so simple. You don't have to make it, you know, more complicated, but I will. <laughs> and um, before I do, uh, what was it like to use that one-second flashlight? Now we had a lot long, a little longer period to do it, and what shifted for you, or what did you learn, or what was challenging about it? Anything? Yes. Hi. One of my barriers is sleep. One of was one of my barriers is sleep. I kind of was okay to begin with, and then I think I was starting to get very sleepy. Yeah, Maybe I, it's the length of the day. I tried the flashlight, but it just you and know, then I shut yeah. down. Could could you you hear? I couldn't quite hear. My hearing is not so good, so sometimes I need help. She got sleepy. Yeah. And um, she tried the flashlight, uh-huh. um, but it just faded away. The, the, what faded away? Sleepiness or the, the flashlight? The flashlight. Yeah, if you're sleepy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This time, this time of day, it's easy to be sleepy, and um, so it's you know it's a little unfortunate to do a class like this when people are tired. But what you can do is meditate with your eyes open. You can uh, uh, that it's easier to stay awake. And uh, you could also, if you sit up really straight, as straight as you need to, uh, sometimes the, the combination of sitting up straight and having your eyes open, just looking down at 45 degrees on the floor, that might be just enough to keep you awake, to keep going with the meditation. Okay. Um, yeah, I noticed that I was spending time trying to decide what the thought was. Yeah. So I was kind of fumbling around. Was that a fantasy? Was that... <laughs> so then, then, then the, fla- the one-second flashlight would be deciding, deciding. <laughs> 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 right. Because that then became the distraction. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just, be, just be humored by it and just say deciding. Okay. <laughs> Keep it that simple. And if, if that's too complicated, you can always, the default is always just say thinking. Yeah. Just, you know, that's good enough. Thank you. And, and then also, part of the art of using this one-second flashlight is how you say the word. If you say it harshly, or it's like a sledgehammer, you know, to your thinking, that's not as so useful as just a gentle, soft, simple, kind of like you're leaning against the oak tree. Oh, look at the boats. Um, I, I noticed that <clears throat> once I used the flashlight and that I returned to the breathing, that it would prevent me from getting caught up in the thought and preoccupied and lost in it. So when, so I've noticed that I was thinking and then label it and then bring it back to the breath and then try to stay there and then something else would pop up so I'd do it again but I noticed that I wouldn't get lost in the thought but I would notice it and then come back. Fantastic. So, that's, yeah. the, that's part of the purpose of this so we don't get lost in the thought. And also, and part of it, I think I understood you said, is that also because you recognized it so clearly, then when you went back to your breathing, you were a little bit less inclined to get caught up in your thought again. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to take you on a, on a journey. 
but not, you know, down the river. Um, what I'm going to do is, it's not, it's not it's, it, what I'm going to do, uh, guide you with now, it's not quite a guided meditation, you might consider it that way, and it's not quite the meditation practice we're doing, I'll explain it later how it's different, but what it is, is a guided tour of the different aspects, different aspects or different component parts of thinking. Thinking is much more than just what you're thinking about. And so we're going to, I'm going to do this guided tour. And some, some of this might be, for some of you, might be quite surprising to discover these different dimensions of thinking. So, um, so you know, just try not to be too surprised or don't be distracted by the, don't be too distracted by the surprise if that's the case. Just be gentle and just go along and we'll talk about it afterwards. So if again, you can take a meditation posture. And for people who are really sleepy, sometimes uh, people just stand and keep their eyes open. And that's enough to kind of stay present. But and um, but sitting up straight is good. So just uh, take a few, take a minute or two now, and just settle into your breathing, into the rhythm of breathing. Drop into your body. If you'd like to, you can take a couple of deep breaths, and as you exhale, just let go of your thoughts. Let them fade float away like thought bubbles. So for this next little period of time, you're completely welcome, even encouraged, to think. It doesn't matter what you're thinking about, but you know, you're allowed to think. And as you're, don't try to let go of it or anything like that, and just notice, kind of notice that you're thinking. And notice, while you're thinking, if you tend to think in words, or you tend to more often think in images. Some people do equally both ways, but notice what's your way. And if you think in words, maybe like there's an inner voice, is it, is that voice or those words, are they localized any place? Like there's a particular place where they come from, like a speaker or something, or are they non-localized? They occur, the voice, the words appear in all points of the universe simultaneously. 
or is it localized more in the head or the chest, forehead? And if you think more in images, is there a location where those images are projected? Like, is there like a screen and you see them out there on the screen? And if you're thinking in words or there's an inner voice, is there a lot of energy in the thinking? Or is it really faint? Just a very light touch, just wispy thoughts going through. If you think in images, Are the images in technicolor and clear and vivid, or are they kind of diffuse? Little bit vague. as you're thinking, is there any part of you that is either interested in what you're thinking or that you dislike your thoughts or that you're thinking? Do you have an attitude about the fact that you're thinking? And if you have an attitude, use the one second flashlight to acknowledge that attitude. And in the thinking itself, Is there any mood, a tone of voice, or a mood to the scene that you're seeing? If it's an inner voice, is it a kind voice or a harsh voice? Is it a gentle voice or not so gentle voice? If you're seeing in images, is there a mood to the images? Or is there colors or shapes that somehow represent the mood or the tone.
And if you're able to kind of track and be with your thinking as that you think, is there any place in your body that feels activated? You know, energy or any sense of a little pressure or tightness, maybe very subtle. Pressure or tightness that seems to be associated with the thinking you're doing. Does the thinking itself come with some emotion? Does it express an emotion or is it, does it radiate an emotion out of it? Is it fed by an emotion? Or does it feed? some emotion. Are your thoughts coming fast and furious? Or is there space between them? You have a thought, there's a little gap. Next one comes. Uh, When they appear, do they float in? Or do they aggressively assert themselves? So now imagine, if you can, that you're on that riverbank and you're leaning contentedly against a tree, an oak tree. And now as you watch the thoughts go by, you notice some of these different, different, some of the different things about them. There's nothing to do with the content of what you're thinking. You notice the energy of it the mood of it, the attitude of it, the energetics of it in the body, where it is it seems to emanate from. The speed of it, 
the slowness of it. Noticing the gaps between thoughts. Settle back and just notice if you can anything at all about your thinking that's not the content, but more about the process or the event of thinking, the experience, wider experience of it. If all you can be aware of was the tone of someone's voice, you don't understand the language they speak, but you can hear the tone. If you don't understand the language you speak in, what tone is there in your thinking? Or what mood in the images? And if you're just gonna lean against the oak tree and just be very simple in the one second flashlight, naming the tone or the mood, very simple. And then for the last minute of this sitting, come back to your breathing.
And that's the bell to end the sitting. How convenient. It's all part of the meditation. No distractions. So, open your eyes. And um, so I'd be curious to hear from a few of you now, maybe even some of the people who haven't spoken, um, <clears throat> was that little tour of the different aspects of thinking, is that something that was, could you touch into any of it? Was any, any parts of it uh, interesting? And so if you can turn the back. It, I feel like tonight's meditation has taken on a different form for me. The first couple of sessions was very difficult mm-hmm. um, because my mind was just all over the place. And then I was sleepy <laughs> the first few minutes, um, the, the earlier meditation. Yeah. And so I said, I, I think I'll try keeping my eyes open and I did that so there were two sensations when my when my eyes were closed I was I felt like I was so much into myself like my my what I was feeling uh-huh. like the sleepiness the tiredness um, fighting to stay awake all of that but when I tried keeping my eyes open, it seemed like my my mind was very awake and I was just responding to a lot of stimuli around me, the sounds, the train, you know, somebody breathing, um, feet, <laughs> just everything that I could see. But and and uh, your voice when you would suggest something it's like my mind would jump on on that and then but it would go away very quickly so i said okay finally when you were not saying anything it was just so calm like no thought i was like wow mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it can happen uh-huh. so that for me was a, a revelation fantastic fantastic thank yeah. you so for Richard? I was able to count about six different thoughts and then realize, okay, that's a thought, and then just kind of pushed it on its way. That was... uh, So by clearly recognizing the thought... Yeah, very different thoughts. And you you weren't... But then you weren't so caught in it, or you you didn't get on the the boat, so you just let them... You you pushed them down the river. Right, I was consciously thinking, okay, i got to push this one along the, the river. Uh-huh. So, and, and by yeah. doing that, how do you, do you feel differently than how you normally would feel? Or was there any shift of how you um, felt? Well, I, I, I feel like that was a, a progress because mm-hmm. I, yes. I can use that yeah. for bad thoughts you know, or bad feelings. But yeah. it, this was a mixture right. of different, like good and bad yeah, thoughts. Yeah. So. yeah, certainly good to do for bad thoughts. As meditation deepens, then, it's, uh, then, it, then you start realizing how good it is to do good thoughts too but you know when if we're kind of in a you know normal state of mind good thoughts are good but as we get deeper and deeper good thoughts are still good 
but there's something better. So anybody else? Any? Um, <clears throat> I thought this was a very difficult uh, meditation for me because um, I would flash them second um, what, what thought would come up and I think it's that my um, my husband passed away two years ago so what kept coming up was the word grief and it when it it would when I feel it in my body I would feel it where I always feel it and yes. so I try to get back to the breathing but the emotion is so strong it was very difficult to focus on the breathing and in other meditations I'm much more able to focus on the breathing, but uh-huh. I found it much more difficult. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, that could this. well be. This kind of meditation kind of can open Pandora's box mm-hmm. of all this unresolved things that are buried inside. And so they come pouring out. And then we have to decide whether what, what's the best way of taking care of ourselves. And if it's too much grief, you know, maybe it's best to stop the meditation and, you know, go for a walk or mm-hmm. talk to a friend or do something. Um, but if it's not too much, it's actually a very healing thing to do to go through difficult emotions like grief in the meditation. And, uh, and part of the art of meditation practice is to learn how to be with emotions uh, with, in such a way that we're making space for them to self-heal. Most emotions have a self-healing quality within them if we allow for them and get out of the way. And I think that's what Charlie Brown had in mind when he kept talking about good grief. <laughs> you know that there is good grief there's a good way of grieving it's, you know, so meditation for some people if you know how if you have you know if you've taken time to learn the meditation it's a really good place where somatically to let the body help with that support and let it move through you uh, so I think what happened to you was you know from, from one point of view it was actually quite appropriate um, it wasn't it wasn't like you were not you're doing the meditation in a wrong way it was quite appropriate to have this arise it's just that you're so maybe, maybe so new to this meditation practice, you don't quite have the lay of the land yet of how this works. But um, so, so, um, so with something like that, difficult emotions that kind of come up, you know, the Pandora's box has been opened up. Uh, it's very helpful to know how to do mindfulness of emotions, like we talked about last week. But it's also very helpful to be able to track and recognize the thinking, because with difficult emotions. sometimes what's difficult about difficult emotions is not the emotions, but how we think about them. And so if we can see, oh, that's a thought. Like like one thought that I've had sometimes with difficult emotions was, you know, it's a really subtle thought. I mean, it's almost like uh, subconscious. Kind of. It's more like an attitude. It's going to be this way forever. And that's a kind of attitude that I'm kind of, you know... And when I learned to recognize that attitude, that made such a huge difference. Oh, you know, forever, really? <laughs> anyway, I could saw, I, or a thought that, oh, I shouldn't be, or, you know, it's all kinds of way, all kinds of thoughts that come along and st- stir it all up. So by doing this mindfulness of, of thinking, say, oh, the, fla- the one-second flashlight, oh, that's what it is. And letting the, and that teases apart. Remember last week, if you remember, you here last week? I talked about the raft and the T of raft is teasing apart. So if you learn to distinguish between the emotion that we're experiencing and the thoughts we have in relationship to it, there, in that space between those two, there's a lot of freedom. And in space between them, 
then some of the unfortunate ways in which we think don't keep stirring it up and making it worse than it needs to be. So anyway, so, so this, is, this is one of the reasons why this uh, uh, instructions on thinking is so important. I, I, didn't, I haven't felt that way before. It's been yeah. good. Yeah. This was more difficult Great. with the thinking. So now I want to, thank you. So now I want to give a little bit more, uh, some more kind of more concrete instructions around this. So um, uh, if your thoughts are really mild, lightweight, in the background, just let them be. If you're able to stay with your breathing, don't be bothered by them. Don't get involved with them. Just let them, you know you're thinking in the back there. It's kind of like you're walking through the, in the fall in the forest and there's, you know, fall leaves falling and you know you're, you're kind of you're talking with a friend you kind of know they're falling but you're not really paying attention to them so you know just let the thoughts be in the background don't make a big deal of them when thoughts come into the foreground and uh, and so you can't really stay with the breath very well because the thoughts are predominating either we we go completely lost in them we completely involved in them or there's a struggle between the breathing and the thinking uh, or you keep letting go of your thoughts to go back to your breathing, but the thoughts come right back, right back. So if, if thinking becomes like, you know, kind of a bigger deal like that, then that meditation practice is not to treat them as distractions, but to treat them as the main attraction. Though I shouldn't have said it that way. You know, because then you're more likely to get on the boat. But, uh, but to take them as being the object of attention, of mindfulness. To settle, you know, the idea of settling back so we don't lean in or get tense. S- settle back into that, you know, oak tree and just be relaxed. And then s- s- know, see what it is. Look at it directly. Um, and use the one-second flashlight. And sometimes you have to use it a few times to really acknowledge it. There's something very powerful with thinking that happens when we acknowledge it clearly, like name it. Oh, I know what you are. It's kind of like we're no longer enmeshed in it or entangled with it or wedded in it or feeding it. We're just kind of step back. Oh, you're there and I'm here and, you know, we'll coexist, but I'm not going to feed you or stir the pot anymore. Just I'll see you for what you are. Sometimes that's enough. And just doing that a few times and then going back to your breathing, then it's continue with your breathing for a while. Sometimes thoughts are much stronger and you can't just notice them, the flashlight a few times and then, you know, go back. But they really quite, really require you to settle down and maybe just turn your attention fully to them. Just really, okay, you know, you're my meditation partner for a while. Okay, we get, we're going to have to get to know each other here. And so you look at them, you be with them, and you can notice a few different things. Because I don't expect you to remember all the things that I did before but with you, the guided tour. But one of the things you can do is you can uh, notice the energetics of the thinking. So is it fast? Is it slow? Is it forceful? Is it really wispy? Um, is the energetics living someplace energetically in the body? Uh, you know, I've sat meditated and just felt really good and minding my own business and just settled and relaxed. And then, you know, there's a, something happens, I don't know, a sound or something, or a door opens up and it reminds me of when my college girlfriend opened the door and told me what she had to tell me. And, 
And so I was sitting, my, and suddenly I remember, you know, and then thoughts about my girlfriend, and all this energy, and all the energy of that thinking about her and what she said and what I should have done, and it, it was all up in the head. You know, so if it's really good, juicy thoughts, you probably can feel the energetics of it someplace in your body. And then just feel it. Just could be present. When you're looking at the thoughts and recognizing it, if you can notice it's where it is predominantly in the body, that's a very good way sometimes to sit against a tree and just observe it, as opposed to being in it. Because it makes a little bit more kind of, you know, clarity about you're there and I'm here. The other thing you can notice, if it's really strong thinking, is to notice uh, if there's what emotion comes with it. And generally, if it's really strong thinking, there's some emotion that comes along with it. And, and then you do mindfulness of emotions, like we did last week. You can do the whole raft thing if you want. And sometimes the thoughts are, really thoughts are kind of like, like uh, um, messengers, or the thought, or this may be, you know, I don't want to insult your thinking, so maybe you'll forgive me, because, you know, but uh, thoughts are a little bit like um, toothpaste in a toothpaste roll that you keep squeezing. As long as you're squeezing it, it's going to keep coming out. And so we're like squeezing it all the time. And so our thoughts keep coming and coming. And, um, and so, what's, so it's like the, the, the issue is not the thinking. The issue, the issue is not, you know, the, you know, the toothpaste just coming out. The issue is you're squeezing it. So it, um, the issue is not the thinking. And some people are a little bit mesmerized or give over importance to what they're thinking about. For a lot of strong thinking, what tends to be the issue is, um, is the emotions underneath them. The emotions which are squeezing them out, that are perpetuating, evoking them. So to, uh, if you keep letting go of thoughts that have a strong emotional base, it's like just cutting off the toothpaste from the toothpaste tube. And, uh, you know, we're still squeezing it. You know, it's going to keep coming out. So you need to kind of drop in deeper and feel the emotions. And we love our emotions. I mean, mindfulness of emotions is a wonderful... Th- I don't say we all love it, but I mean, it's good to love your emotions. It's good to be respectful and caring for them and, and not treat anything as wrong or bad. But the idea in mindfulness is, is lean against a tree... And just, oh, that's what it is. And do the raft thing. And sometimes if you bring your attention to the emotion underlying the strong thinking, only then can the thinking relax. Because the thinking is more a symptom than it is, you know, a thing in itself. So you can feel it energetically. You can feel it uh, emotionally. You can also notice... uh, how interested you are in your thinking. And there can be a strong interest, a strong fascination, a strong negative fascination. There can be a strong sense of authority that are given to my thoughts. If I have a thought, it's true. You know, if I have a thought, it must be important. If I have a thought, it's, you know, it, uh, this needs to be solved. Or these thoughts, are, these thoughts are my savior. I've had the same thought about the same problem now 20,000 times. 
But I still believe the solution is there. And so we invested with this authority, like there, you know, and this hope. So this, the way we relate to the thoughts is so important. One of the fascinating things about thinking, <clears throat> for some of us, is that um, a high percentage of our thoughts are self-referential in nature. That's interesting in and of itself. It's about, you know, we're one of the main characters of it all. It's all somehow about us, me, myself, and mine. And <clears throat> yeah, a great majority of our thoughts, for most people, tend to be self-referential in nature. In some way or other, we're in the picture. And we're, we're an important character in the picture, in one way or the other. So we're like main, you know. And uh, it's fascinating to see that goes on. So that's fascinating in itself. But it's actually even more fascinating. And this is the way it's more fascinating. If someone walked next to me all day and talked to me as much about themselves nonstop <laughs> as I talk to myself in my head, I would wonder about their sanity. <laughs> I would like beg them to stop. It would get boring after the first hour. What's most fascinating about us, how seldom we get bored. You know, how it gets, it's as fascinating every time. We get caught up in that little world. You know, because we're the character. Because it's about me, myself, my safety, what I get, my pleasure, my this and that. It's fascinating how that works. So if you want to kind of look thoughts right in the eyes, I see you, you can see these different aspects of them. Not to make it complicated. You're not supposed to be a, you know, now, you know, take, you know, think, think, think about thinking even more. The idea is kind of with a silent mind, close to a silent mind, just look, look at the lay of the land of thinking. Oh, there's emotions. There's energy. There's this interest or fascination. And just kind of, just kind of be there with it. And then, when you no longer feel like you're glued to it or you're fueling it or it has you by the nose so much, then you go back to your breathing. And if it has you by the nose too much and you can't do anything whatsoever about it, sometimes what's uh, it's not so uncommon, sometimes then what can be good to do is go back to your breathing anyway. But then go back to your breathing and count your breaths, one to ten or one to three. Do the three-second journey. And um, because sometimes you need to override the strengths of your thoughts with a strength of purpose, of engagement. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm not going to give in to this. And you can have that kind of decision, okay, I'm going to override it. I'm really going to try to be stronger than my thoughts. If you've recognized, in a wise way, you recognize clearly, it's, this is not helpful to keep thinking this way. This is not useful. It has no good purpose. I don't want to keep going in that direction. I want to be free of this entanglement with thoughts. So if these other things I've been teaching you don't kind of support you well enough, then you can come back. And sometimes it's useful to just count your breath a little bit. And sometimes that calms things down. And finally, that, that, that doesn't even work. Just lean against the oak tree. With and just, and then if you get on the boats, lean against the railing. 
<laughs> okay, I'm going along for the ride. And, and I guess that now I get to be mindful of what it's like to go along for the ride. It's hard to do it because I keep getting pulled into it, but I'll do my best I can. This is, you know, I'll just kind of be relaxed and not make it a problem and, and just... And, uh, and so I, I, my favorite mental note, like the one-second flashlight note, when, you know, my, my, my mind has a different idea of what's supposed to happen than I do. And, you know, it just has a mind of its own, a lot of thinking or a lot of things, you know, and I can't seem to kind of get, get centered or settle down. I kind of imagine leaning against that oak tree and that the one second flashlight note label is, wow. <laughs> wow. My mind's out of control. Wow. <laughs> and, and Wow. But it, you think the art of it is I have to say wow regularly because as soon as I say wow, I'm not quite in it. There's, there's some freedom. But if I stop saying wow, you know, in a relaxed way, then I get swept up again. Wow, I'm on the, wow, this is like a big worship. Wow. Wow, how did I get, this is amazing. I'm he, having all this fantasy. I can't believe how much sexual fantasy I'm having. Wow. <laughs> Wow. You know, whatever it is, wow. It's a lot better than some of the alternatives. Oh, I'm t- bad, I'm terrible, I shouldn't be doing this, I'm the bad meditator. You, some of you will have those thoughts. I can't do it, I'm a bad meditator. Wow. It's a way of kind of not believing your thoughts so automatically. So like, just kind of be lighten up around them and so I'll end with one more thing about thinking. I hope this is helpful. If you can laugh at yourself when you're, because of how you're thinking, you'll never stop being amused. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Hopefully, that what, I'm t- what I taught you today will help you to be, you know, it's just a lot of words, it's a lot of things, a lot of instructions. Keep it really simple. You know, don't do a lot of thinking about all this. Remember just what you remember from the day. And, uh, and you, the default is always you can go back and be really simple. And if you remember how we started th- uh, this evening, we started so simply. We started first with just that very, very simple one-second flashlight. And then we did very simply just be with your breathing and then notice your thinking and just the flashlight, just note it and come back. That's simple. But if this more, you know, the more fuller instruction of mindfulness is helpful for you, you might try it. If it starts feeling like it's too much, too busy and too much to remember, just, just wait. You, 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 the instructions are going to be around for decades. So you don't have to get it all right away. And uh, just settle in, do their practice, and over time, these different instructions will find a day when they're the right ones for you. Okay? Okay. So we have one more class next week, and uh, this is the kind of culmination class that Tama uh, ties it all together and, and uh, talks a little bit about um, uh, some of the ways to go further with this practice. <clears throat> now that, you know, you have this introductory basic uh, ideas of it, 
I'll talk about how to do more of it and how it leads to greater insight and a variety of things. So um, I hope you enjoy your meditation. And there is a handout again, so some, that might give some, some more instructions, clarity about all this that I've said today. Thank you.